morning. It's good to be back with you. Um, I saw Al at Panera Bread this week and he accused me of being on sabbatical. <laughs> Didn't think I'd been gone that long, two weeks, and people think you've checked out for <laughs> indefinitely. Um, I'm deeply grateful for, for Judy Ngala, who uh, taught the last two weeks in, in my absence. Um, Kim and I uh, took two weeks to enjoy our son Andrew's last two uh, collegiate soccer games. Uh, two weeks ago was senior night at Davidson, where they honored the three seniors that were playing their last home game. And uh, that was fun to be there for that, see him honored. And then last weekend, uh, they p played their last game of the season up at, in Washington, D.C. against uh, George Mason. So we, were, we went up there uh, to be with him. And uh, yeah, gosh, I think he handled it better than we did. Uh, watching him play soccer for 19 years, it's like we looked at each other and thought, what are we going to do now? Um, those of you who have children know the, the joy it is to, to see your children do what they love to do. And uh, I'm going to miss, uh, our son's a goalkeeper and he loves flying through the air. And uh, I'm going to miss seeing him flying through the air. I'm not sure when I'll get a chance to see him do that again anytime soon, but uh, it was fun to see him fly through the air just a few more times. So uh, thanks for letting me be gone so we could uh, take in uh, that kind of uh, bittersweet experience as uh, parents. But I knew you'd be in good hands with uh, Judy. Uh, many of you know Judy, but I suspect many of you don't know Judy very well. And uh, I've been grateful over the few years that I've known Judy to get to know her and have appreciated her thoughtfulness and uh, was quite sure that you'd appreciate it too. So, um, so I thought maybe, I know you didn't expect a pop quiz, but I was in contact with Judy some over the last week trying to find out what it was she taught. And uh, we discussed it a little bit before I left and a little bit after I got back. But I'm kind of interested to know, as any teacher would, what you learned. Because <laughs> I'm well aware as a teacher that what I teach and what students learn is not always the same thing. I'm always amazed to find out, to hear back from students things that I taught them, uh, things that I said. And I think, you know, I'm pretty sure I never said that. In fact, I've never even thought that. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. Um, but you're better listeners uh, than some of the folks I have. So, um, so maybe just to get, we've been talking about vulnerability and will be for the next uh, unspecified number of weeks. Um, so maybe we just somebody tell us a couple or three things one at a time. Just, I'd just be curious to know two or three thing, important things that you, that you sort of gleaned from uh, either one or the other of Judy's weeks of teaching. I know not all of you were here both weeks. Some of you may not have been here at all. Um, some of you didn't even know Judy was teaching. Didn't know I was gone. It's like, <laughs> uh, things that happen when you, you miss. So, yeah. Mike. I don't know if this is important, but um, in her first session, she talked uh, about image management hmm. and uh, how some of us might be guilty of that. 
And uh, I thought about it quite a bit afterwards, and I decided I probably am guilty of it. I wouldn't want people to really know how I really am. Hmm. Yeah, image management. Um, I doubt you're the only one. Uh, and the, the person I would doubt would be the person who says that they don't do that. Um, that's, that's the person I would be worried about. Because I think if we're all honest and vulnerable, um, it's hard not to walk through life managing what you want other people to think about you, isn't it? I mean, I think one of the books she may have made reference to, it's a famous book back in the 60s and 70s called Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? Right? Um, and at least some of the times, we are a little afraid to tell you, each other who we are, what we're thinking, what we're feeling. That came up in the cards. That may have been one of the things that came up the most when we uh, distributed cards and asked people to talk about when do you feel most vulnerable. Um, and it was a lot. When I'm in a setting where uh, people assume, or, I, or at least I feel like they're assuming, <laughs> that maybe I think what they think, and I'm pretty sure I don't, and I'm afraid to let them know that. Uh, because if they knew that I didn't think what they think, or if I'm not feeling what they're feeling, I'm not sure what they think of me, right? Um, and most of us, I mean, every day, probably engage in at least a little bit of image management. Right, the stories we tell each other, uh, the stories we don't tell about each other. We don't tell each other about ourselves, right? There's all kinds of things about me I've never told you, and I'm probably not going to. <laughs> right? I'm probably not going to. Not proud of that. Right? I'm not proud of that. Um, but that, that is, it is true. Right? I mean, that's, uh, if vulnerability is the capacity to be wounded, um, most of us know, because we've had experience, most of the deepest wounds that we bear have been, have come about from people who knew us. Right? I mean, somebody who knows you, somebody who knows me, can wound me deeper than anybody else. Isn't that true? Right? If somebody knows my weaknesses, I mean, those can be used against me. And all of us have probably had at least a few experiences where that has happened. So part of our anxiety about vulnerability is, I'm not sure I want you to know my weaknesses. Um, I'd like to trust that you wouldn't exploit them, but I trusted other people not to exploit them, and it didn't turn out so well. Right? So I mean, there's, there's anxiety about that. So um, there, there are reasons why Lots of reasons, as I'm sure Judy uh, indicated. Lots of reasons why we might uh, manage our image. But part of it is it's the fear, right? It's this basic fear. It's hard not to kind of live in fear of if you really knew who I was. I mean, really, if you really knew who I was and not just the image that I've created for your consumption, would you really like me? Right? Uh, I may not be so sure. Um, and all of us probably engage in that at least a little, 
And so, yeah, I'm glad that, that, that Judy brought that up. That's an important conversation to have, at least to be aware of how much we engage in that, because it does, as I suspect Judy said, it does get in the way of a lot of things uh, in human life, let alone the Christian life. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Please, yeah. She talked about the levels of vulnerability where the, the first level was moments where we just are embarrassingly human. Hmm. Just kind of fall into a situation where our vulnerability is because of our own embarrassment. Hmm. A little deeper level is one where we find ourselves disclosing to others but still at an emotional level. We're not totally devoid of our emotions. And uh, then the third level, the deepest level, is being able to, uh, I think she called it open door disclosure, hmm. where you're simply willing to tell the deepest secrets, the, the things that you would find most vulnerable in your life. Hmm. Thank you. So, for those of you who might not be able to hear, uh, apparently Judy talked about some sort of levels of vulnerability. Um, named three, right? Sort of the kind of vulnerability that comes from just sort of accidentally, unwittingly sort of exposing our shortcomings, right? Uh, my wife and I were at a dinner last night and we we're there's almost nobody in the room that we knew, so we were just mingling around. Um, and Kim recognized a woman as a parishioner from St. Mary's. Um, my wife teaches at St. Mary's. So she never met her before and recognized the name on the name tag. And so we introduced ourselves. And she said, "Oh, are you? Um, are you the? Is is George your husband?" And she said, "Well, he used to be." <laughs> Right? Like, wow. <laughs> Not your favorite introduction. <laughs> I mean, it had an unusual last name. I mean, she is, and the woman was very gracious and said, that's okay. How could you have known? Right? I mean, we both go to St. Mary's. We had the same last name. We were married. There's no reason you would know that, that we're not married anymore. So she was very gracious, but of course it's one of those moments where all of a sudden you feel completely exposed, embarrassed, um, yeah, and that is different than sort of willingly, right, revealing our humanity. Uh, there, you're just sort of finite natures on display. Um, but there's, there's deeper levels of vulnerability, isn't there, where we, we, choose, um, we choose to be open about what we're, we're feeling in the moment. Uh, often when we haven't even ourselves processed it all, but we're willing uh, to let other people see what we're feeling. Um, that's, that's vulnerable, right? Because we know uh, different people feel, we, we often know that we, we make other people feel uncomfortable when we're vulnerable. Uh, so there's our own level of comfort with our vulnerability. There's others people's discomfort and Part of what I'm sure Judy was talking about is this, you know, part of image management is always 
this tricky part of me trying to imagine what you, who you think I am. <laughs> right? Like, how would I know that? So, I mean, a lot of it is just projecting what, you know, what I think, who I think you want me to be, and how would I know that? Um, so, even in my, even in my sharing of my emotions, you know, am I, am I free to do that? And then there's these other things about our lives that uh, we don't tell, tell anybody. Um, I, I suspect that at least some of us in the room have things in our past um, that we haven't told the people that are closest to us. Um, maybe because they're in the past, we've moved on, and there's no reason to bring it up. Fair enough. Um, but there, it might also be because there's this little bit of fear, right, that if they, if they knew that I did that, 20 years ago. I went through that 20 years ago. I wonder if that would really fundamentally shift the way they look at me on Sunday morning or during the week or every day if it's a person who's in your life every day. And so, yeah, those sort of, sort of levels of vulnerability. Glad she brought that up. Maybe one more thing that somebody learned from, sounds like Judy offered rich fare. Anything else? Well, I'm reminded of uh, uh, many of you in this room probably knew Jane and Paul Coleman, and Jane died last week. And I was thinking about something she said years ago that has stayed with me. And I don't know what the incident was, but we can all imagine. And she said, where would we be without social politess? <laughs> Where would we be if we let it all hang out and just were rude when we wanted to be rude and um, spoke the truth and so so there's that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, what was the word? Social politess or, or social uh, facade. Yeah, so th there's the, the, the point about, you know, what, what are the appropriate places and settings, um, you know, there's an argument to be made there's such a thing as oversharing, <laughs> right? Um, and so there's no doubt, I mean, there's, there's a danger there. Um, and my, my hunch is that, I don't know, maybe, I don't know you well, I've been with you a few years. My hunch is on the spectrum, most of you aren't in danger of oversharing. <laughs> it's my hunch. It's always dangerous to make sort of blanket, you know, generalizations. Um, but usually the oversharers, you, you find out about them pretty quickly. So it's not like you're a closet oversharer, <laughs> right? So it's not like, you know, after four or five years in the class, like I haven't figured out who the oversharer is yet. Um, so it's just my hunch, my hunch, and maybe those of you've been around longer can direct me to these people, but maybe not. Just don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that's true. Um, but I, I think we have to be careful that we, like any like any excess, right? I mean, I can, I can use, uh, I can look at people and say, well, I don't want to be that. And I can use that to justify 
my own fear of vulnerability, right? Um, so it's a it's a it's a tricky thing, no doubt. Um, well, one of the things that uh, Kim and I did when we were in Washington D.C. was a Saturday morning. We got up early, and uh, we went to the the Holocaust Museum in uh, D.C. Uh, how many of you, how many of you been there? Just so I know who I'm talking to. Okay. Um, those of you who haven't been, next time you're in D.C., you, you owe it to yourself and humanity to force yourself to go. Um, you won't enjoy it. I mean, it's not the kind of thing you can enjoy. But it is, it is very well done. I mean, it's, it's, whoever put the museum together knew what they were doing. Uh, all kinds of ways. I won't go into the details there, but I was impressed just from a museum standpoint. Uh, we were there a little over five hours. Uh, I don't think I've ever been in a museum that long. Uh, and we only focused on two of the three, the first two of the three floors. There was another floor we, we just couldn't emotionally do it any longer. Um, but it was hard not to think of vulnerability while I was there, um, given that's what's sort of on my mind of late. And um, yeah, give yourself some time when you're there. Um, I thought I knew uh, a fair bit about the Holocaust, but I, I learned a lot. And it's one thing to read about it. Uh, it's another thing uh, to sort of step in and hear the voices of people who went through it. And uh, it's a much more personal and, and vulnerable. I mean, to, to, to be willing to draw near to wounds that deep is not something any of us, again, can enjoy. Um, but I, I think we do, we do need to do that. Um, and I'm, yeah, I don't want this to be a commentary on our experience there, but just it was, has been on my mind. It's the kind of thing that will linger for quite some time. Um, and yeah, so I just, I just kind of, kind of leave it at that, but I would encourage you to, um, to think about, uh, this chapter in, in world history where, uh, the church, uh, pretty uniformly around the world uh, failed the most vulnerable. And that's, that was hard to be reminded of that in such a powerful way. It wasn't just the church in Germany, although it certainly was there. Um, and we know uh, from scripture that God God has a special care for the vulnerable, calls us to have, take special care for the vulnerable, and that colossal failure is, um, yeah, it's, it's sobering. It's sobering. Uh, not to mention just 
the sobering part of being reminded of what um, I mean that there's there is much much that is beautiful in the world and human beings are capable of great beauty and grace and we are also capable of just incredible evil and it's it's hard to, to take that I mean I'd like to think I'm not capable of anything so horrible um, but the part that's the deepest and most troubling is how many everyday people I think that's was the, the, the part that was the hardest to bear for five hours was the way in which everyday people like you and me were completely indifferent at best to those around them who were suffering and vulnerable yeah so that you don't you don't have to be working in the extermination camps to have been part of all of that it took a lot of people looking the other way um, a lot of people a lot of really otherwise good people like you and me right um, and that I think was the most difficult thing to bear so enough for my uh, advertisement for the Holocaust Museum you get in free though so it's not they're not it's no kickback involved here <laughs> okay. um, but I would I would encourage you to and give yourself some time both before and afterward to you know don't don't plan to run off and do something else afterwards you'll need plan to go for a quiet walk along the mall or something uh, and have a cup of coffee or something quiet uh, yeah. You'll need, there are quiet spaces in the, the museum itself, um, so you can catch your breath. Um, the African American Museum also. The African American Museum is also fantastic. You you find it difficult to get a ticket. It's the most difficult ticket in D.C. In fact, you can't get an advance ticket until all the ones through March are gone, and. Um, they're not selling the ones after March. You're not selling them, not giving them away yet. You can't even order them yet. But yeah, you want to go there too at some point. Probably not the same day. <laughs> Just saying. Go to Europe. Yeah. Yeah, if you go to Europe, there's. Uh, yeah, you can go to. How many of you visited a concentration camp? Yeah. Several. Um, that, that's one of the things Milligan takes a European tour every summer with some of our students, 40 or 50 of our students, and that's always one of the stops. And again, it's not something you forget um, to be there. One of the things I thought of when I was trying to think about what we could talk about this morning uh, was. Uh, a keen sense that I have very bad timing. If I'd have been really smart, I'd have asked Judy to teach today. <laughs> right? Um, but I thought it would be good for us, I want us to, to leave some time uh, 
to pray, and I want us to uh, I want us to talk just a little bit before we pray. Um, I gave you an assignment three weeks ago, and I know you all did it, but I didn't get to be here to find out how it went. So I'm a really bad teacher who gives assignments and doesn't show up to collect the assignment. Um, but I asked you three weeks ago, I'll remind you when I ask you, just for the few people who weren't here, I know the ones that were here remembered. Um, I ask you to try to be maybe especially or a little bit more aware of who the vulnerable people were around you in your daily life. Who, who might think of themselves as vulnerable even if they feel a little invisible. That's part of vulnerability sometimes is you feel vulnerable because you are and no one notices you're vulnerable. <laughs> that sort of adds a different layer to it. Um, so sometimes just being seen in your vulnerability is a huge gift. Um, so I don't, I don't know uh, how many of you actually did that, and if you, um, but, but I thought I would just, I mean, even if there was just one person who actually remembered a particular encounter, or at least noticing someone, that I would at least just ask that before we moved on, just to sort of bring some closure. I hate giving an assignment having no closure. Tom. I've got one. Uh, a major part of your last lesson was listening. And I spent some time at Holston Home since you, were you last spoke to us. Mm. And I ran across a young man that was one of the happiest, jolliest young men you'd want to know. And afterwards, I spoke to one of the staff members that when he came here, he was uh, self-abusive, cutting himself, addicted to drugs. And when he got here, he was very rebellious and angry, and we, it, was, it was evidently and immediately that he was going to be a discipline problem. But after some time, he just went, like he went through that doorway, came out the other side a different person. Hmm. It wasn't even a month. And somebody, because he, he also uh, made a profession of faith and got baptized. But they asked him what made the difference. He said, no one's ever listened to me before. You, you simply just, when I have something to say, you listen to me. Hmm. And uh, he's doing well. He was two or three years behind in his education. He's catching up and graduate on time. This is uh, on time for their plan of this spring, just because someone recognized his vulnerability and listened to him when he tried to share it with you. Hmm. That open door thing and and. Uh, I thought that was a remarkable reminder of what you would ask us to do. Hmm. Look for somebody that you can listen to. Thanks, Tom. It's easy to forget what a gift just that is, right? It seems on one level to be so simple. Um, but if you've been listened to, and I suspect all of us have, if you've been listened to when you really needed someone to listen, you know what a gift that is. You've been on the other side of it. Um, but to genuinely listen to another person, and as we talked about, you know, not devoting the whole time to thinking about what you're going to say, how you're going to respond, maybe not even worrying about whether anything has to be said at all. Just letting them say, letting them tell their story, letting them 
be who they are um, without judgment in that moment is an enormous gift. Um, and it is surprising how many people in our everyday lives, if we're attentive, probably don't feel listened to. And so that's an interesting place to start. So before we pray, I thought we might just maybe mention uh, people. I have no idea uh, what the past months, the past week has stirred up in you. I suspect in a group this size, the emotions, the reactions run the gamut. It'd be hard to imagine that it, that, that it don't. Um, But if we could just, this is not the only thing that could be said, but if we were looking through the lens of vulnerability, which is what we're trying to do, um, I'm curious to know when you think about vulnerability, when you think about the last week, the last months, uh, this whole election season that most of us are very, very glad is over, right? Not sure we could take it anymore. Um, I mean, who, who might we, you know, who, who should I be listening to uh, in the coming weeks? Uh, who, who should I uh, be aware of? Um, who might it be easy for me to dismiss? Who might it be easy for me to um, not listen to? Um, who is it that feels most vulnerable now? Um, what would it mean to listen to them, to understand why they might be vulnerable, why they might feel vulnerable? Um, I don't know if any anyone was thinking in those terms this week. Um, you can be forgiven if you weren't because gosh, this week just stirred up so much stuff for all of us. And I imagine a lot of it wasn't good stuff in us. These kind of things don't necessarily bring out the best of us all around, right? Um, it's just been so much division and contention that it just, yeah, it's just hard to imagine how that ends up well. Um, but let me just, well, yeah, we'll just, oh, did, has anyone been particularly attuned to uh, someone's vulnerability this, this week, Bill? I guess I have a hard time to determine where vulnerability and dependability starts, you know. I'll give you an example, a personal example. My uncle's in an assisted living place here in Johnson City. I'm, I'm with him almost every day. He's a very sharp fella, but he has factors of degenerative eye disease. Mm. He also has dementia. Sometimes he imagines people's in a room with him. Mm. But he's, he's sharp. I mean, he's, his long-term, short-term memories. Uh, he doesn't talk much, but when, you get, when he does talk, it makes a lot of sense. He's, he's been very dependent, I mean independent, very active. He's, he, he held a political office and he sits at a table with uh, seven other guys and I think all of them are veterans probably hmm. 
And you can tell all these all these fellows have been independent hmm. throughout their life. But now they're they're, they're vulnerable. I, I would say to put someone to help him. Like today, he doesn't know that I'm going to come up there and see him or not. Hmm. He thinks I am, and I, I will be. Hmm. But uh, but I'm sure the other people are the same way. They're vulnerable to whether family's going to visit them or whether who's going to take care of them or who's going to help them shower or whatever it is. So that's the case that, that I notice on just on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, as, as we age and as we become less independent, people have to help us. We have to ask for help. Um, and if, you're, if you've taken great pride in your independence, which most of us have, it's not easy to ask for help. I, I don't find it easy to ask for help. Um, maybe you don't either. Um, and, and it feels it feels a little vulnerable uh, to but even though we know people are going to help us it's not like they're going to say no I'm not going to help you forget it you do it yourself no one's going to say that right so it's not it's not about that kind of rejection it's it's back to image management right because in our culture whether we like it or not it's the truth I mean to need help is to be weak. And we don't want to be weak, right? Who wants to be weak? You get, you get affirmed for being strong, independent. Um, so what do we do? I mean, one of the things we'll have to be talking about in the coming weeks, and I know Judy touched on this too, what do, what do we do with the fact that when the God of the universe deigns to come to earth one time in human flesh, God comes in utter weakness and dependability. What do we do with that? Right? If at the center of the Christian faith is that if you want to know what it means to be fully human, you look into the face of Jesus Christ. We've never seen anyone be more human than Jesus was human. And yet when Jesus comes, he comes in utter weakness, dependability, dependent. Right? What do we do with that? Um, I mean, at some point, that's, that needs to help shift my imagination about what it means to be a fully human person. That somehow I don't have to hide my wounds. I don't have to hide my weakness. And yet most days I feel like I do. Right? Because again, what will you think of me if you knew me, if I didn't put up the pretense of being completely self-sufficient and independent and strong. Well, there, there are people around, um, before we pray here, um, and I think if you, as I know you will, if you are attuned to our neighbors in the coming weeks, um, you might just ask them a question, give them a chance to talk. Because uh, there are, if Christians are called, and as I think we are, I mean, you can't read through the, the scripture without hearing this echo about, you know, God's people taking care of the, the alien, the widow, right, the orphan, who were the people who were the most vulnerable 
in biblical times, right? The most open to being abused and taken advantage of. Um, I had a long conversation this week with uh, one of the African-American leaders in Johnson City, and I just wanted to hear post-Tuesday how he was feeling, how his congregations were feeling, how people in the community were feeling. And he said, just confused, just confused. Um, I mean, they know, I mean, there's, there's sharp enough people to know people voted, whoever they voted for, for thousands of different reasons, right? I mean, there's no way to know with such a troublesome election, it's, hard, it's so hard to know why anybody voted for anybody. And so trying to understand, what, quote, what any of this means, I mean, they know that, but it's, there's confusion uh, a little bit there. And so we might, we might listen uh, to our African-American neighbors this week in the coming weeks just to hear what they might be thinking, feeling, and not pretend to know. Friday afternoon, I, I took the opportunity to go and uh, pray with our Muslim neighbors, Friday prayer, because uh, I wanted to check in with them and see how they were feeling. Um, they're, they're a little anxious. They're a little anxious. Um, they're trying to put a strong face on it, but there, there's, a, there's some anxiety there. Um, it's not... I mean, they, they know they're viewed with suspicion a lot anyway, so it's not a new thing for them. Um, but they worry that the suspicion might get deeper. Um, and so, um, but they, they were grateful to be, to be listened to. There were a number of people from outside the, the, the Muslim community there on Friday. And, um, so if you, if you have Muslim neighbors, you know, you might give them a chance to, uh, to be listened to. Um, I'm sure there's scores of other people too. Um, who might want to be listened to, who I might not understand exactly what they're feeling, but then it doesn't preclude me from asking what they're thinking, feeling, not presuming to know. And um, I don't think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid for my own sake. I think I'm going to be fine, <laughs> right? Um, but not all of my neighbors have the, some of the luxuries that I do of, of position and place. And so, um, I have to be careful that just because I feel like things are going to be okay for me that I don't pay attention to people around me who may not feel uh, the same way that I do. So I encourage you to, to listen this week and um, pay attention to what people might be feeling that's different than what you may be feeling, different than what I may be feeling. That's pretty good. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Uh, you're, you're emphasizing prayer. I, I've missed several meetings. I would maybe usually you close with the prayer, you know, and, and I just 
have the prayer book, is there, if he's taken on a different, is the class book involved in the prayer? Or how, what is? I, I think I'll pray for us uh, since we're as typical. I can't. Is that clock just really off? I keep looking up there. I keep thinking that clock can't be right. I keep, that's why I keep looking at my watch. I mean, I, I know I run late, but uh, I make myself clear. Yeah, you may have talked about having an uh, emphasis more on prayer. Usually, you close the prayer, but yeah, I'm gonna. Close, I mean, I do. I want you to be listening to your neighbors and praying for your neighbors. Uh, I'll word a prayer for us just now. Lead us in prayer. Um, I'll leave some times of silence for you to offer up uh, your silent prayers to God. Um, yeah, does that clarify? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. No. It, it seems like it, it, maybe we're supposed to be praying for a certain, I didn't know we were supposed to be praying for maybe vulnerable people or, or. Well, I think that's one thing we should be praying for. Um, but I think we also ought to be praying. Um, I think right now it's, it's hard to even know exactly what healing might be exactly for our land. But I think we can still pray for it. We don't have to know what it would look like just yet. But I think we can still pray for it. Yeah. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you have made us the way you have made us. And one of those ways is that we are vulnerable creatures, creatures who are open to being wounded. And we often devote enormous amounts of energy to <coughs> schemes of self-protection, hiding our wounds, covering our wounds, ignoring or denying our wounds, and often doing that to those around us as well. Gracious God, we are painfully aware of the divisions in our land. We know the reasons and causes are many We would not pretend, O oh God, to know exactly what form healing and greater wholeness, how that might take shape, but we, we sense that the current turmoil reflects deep wounds that much has been stirred up in these months that has been easy to ignore. And so we pray that we might be more mindful of those around us who feel unlistened to, who are wounded, who may be afraid to share their wounds. We pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear our neighbors who feel particularly vulnerable during this time. And we pray that in so doing, we might offer them 
the gift of grace and attention that we have received from you. Father, I pray that we might be able to find the, the beauty uh, in this coming week, that we might see the goodness in each other, that we might be truly grateful for your manifold blessings, and that we might be ready to bear the burdens of those around us. We pray this through Christ.